Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. This week, the Catholic Church celebrates the great feast of the exaltation of the cross. The Church invites us this week to really ponder this central mystery of our faith, that Jesus died for our sins. But do you understand the cross? Do you understand what it's really all about? Could you explain it to someone else? I think many times Catholics could be a little fuzzy when it comes to the cross. They often have some misconceptions about the cross, in part because many times we might take in some popular notions of the cross, especially that are found from our non-Catholic brothers and sisters out there. You may hear preachers say things like this, Jesus died for our sins, and he took on the wrath of the Father. The innocent Son took on the punishment that we deserve for us. And the story goes something like this, you know, that God, the creator created us and we rebelled against him. We rebelled against his law. We disobeyed him and we deserve to be punished. God is a God of justice. And so we've been separated from him all these years, but he's also a God of mercy. And so in his mercy, he lovingly sent his son, the eternal son, to enter time and space. And he took on human flesh in Jesus Christ. And Jesus, the loving son, loves us so much that he took on our punishment for us. On Good Friday, he went to Calvary. He carried that cross. He was nailed to that cross so that he could die instead of us. He took on the punishment of the Father. He took on the full brunt of the Father's wrath. The wrath that we deserved was inflicted upon Jesus. He volunteered himself to take on all this punishment so that we wouldn't have to die. That's how much our God loves us. You know, that might preach really well, but let's just think about that for a moment. Does that really make sense? Is that the kind of view of God you really want to have? I mean, let's just think about this for a moment here. Uh, If there was a father who had a son, and the son did something terribly wrong and was guilty and deserved to be punished, and let's say the father was going to spank this little child, but then a brother stepped in and said, no, father, don't spank my little brother. Spank me instead. I'll take his spankings for him. And the father looks at this innocent son and then turns back and looks at the guilty one. And he looks at the innocent one and he looks back at the guilty one. He says, I don't care who I punish. I just have to spank someone. So he starts spanking the innocent son. How would that possibly solve the problem of sin? How how would that bring about a loving reconciliation between father and son? Think about this. Think about if you if you apply this to God, you know, think about a God who punishes the innocent instead of the guilty. Is that really a God, a God of mercy? Is that a God of mercy? It's certainly not a God of justice. It's just like arbitrary punishment here. You get a picture of God that who's a, kind of just an angry old man. He's got this pent-up anger, and he's got to let out this wrath on someone. That is not the picture of God that we have as Catholics. You know, in the in some, in some Protestant traditions, not all, but some Protestant traditions really put the emphasis on punishment, all the punishment and the suffering that Jesus endured. In the Catholic world, I want you to see that it's really all about love, that at the center of the cross is the love of Jesus. It's about love, self-giving, Jesus making himself a total gift to the Father on our behalf. He's offering a gift of love that we couldn't do on our own. But it's about love. It's not about all the blood that was shed. 
So that's what we're going to look at in this podcast. I want to walk through with you a little bit more about the cross. I want to make break it down. I'm going to use some human analogies that I think would be really helpful here. And then I want to turn to a great insight from a, a great theologian by the name of St. Anselm and St. Thomas Aquinas, who could really help us just really easily understand this is what the cross is really all about from a Catholic perspective. But first, I just want to thank the many listeners who have participated in that survey that's been on my website. It's been at uh, my website website, edwardsfree.com slash podcast. And people have been giving me a lot of feedback uh, uh, as I'm working on a number of enhancements. We're going to be adding on the podcast here in just a little bit of time. And I particularly want to thank the many listeners I got to meet in North Carolina this last week. I was at the Charlotte Eucharistic Congress, and I got to speak at the Legatus Group there. I got to speak at uh, Belmont Abbey College to the college students there. But the Congress, the Eucharistic Congress was amazing. Oh, my goodness. You all need to know it was just what a public witness to faith they, I, I, I got to see it in Charlotte. It was incredible. Over 10,000 people marching around the city streets of, of downtown Charlotte, led by their bishop, carrying the monstrance with the Eucharist inside the monstrance. So they're following Jesus, following their bishops, and then you have all of their priests, all of their deacons, all of their religious, the little first communion kids in their in their nice suits and their, their communion dresses, and then thousands and thousands of lay Catholics marching behind their banners with their... Uh, with, with each of their parishes. It was just incredible. You know, you may have heard there was this Pew Research study done recently showing that two-thirds of American Catholics don't really believe in the Eucharist. They think the Eucharist is maybe just a symbol, a sacred sign, but they don't really believe it's Jesus's very body and blood. It's the real presence of Christ underneath the appearance of bread and wine. Two-thirds fail to understand, the believe the most central thing about our faith— I would say if you were at the Charlotte Eucharistic Congress, you would say that statistic probably doesn't hold here (laughs) because this public witness to faith in downtown Charlotte is just incredible in our secular age to see this. So thank you all of you in Charlotte uh, for your your great witness and for welcoming me into your city this last week. It was great to speak at your Congress. Uh, But back to the survey. Again, thank you everyone for the feedback you've been giving me. And I want to clue you all in. Get ready for next week. We're going to start downloading some of these new enhancements. So when you turn to the podcast or you get this in your subscription. If you haven't subscribed, subscribe to the All Things Catholic podcast. Uh, But when it comes up next week, don't be surprised if you might see a new logo, a new thumbnail. You know, uh, be on the lookout for that. Maybe when you turn on the podcast, you might hear some new music, uh, a new sound. So just get ready. We're going to start unveiling some of the new developments in the All Things Catholic podcast. And thanks for giving me your feedback and helping to be a part of that. But let's go back to this topic here. What is the cross really all about? As I mentioned, the focus is not on punishment in the Catholic tradition. Uh, The focus is much more on love. So it's not about how much blood was shed. It's really about how much love was put into the cross. That's why uh, St. Anselm is often quoted as saying uh, something along the lines of, you know, just, just one drop of Christ's blood was enough to cover all of the sins of all humanity. So it's not about the blood. It's about the love Christ put into it. And Pope Benedict made this point as well. He said, God is a lover with all the passion of a true love. And, you know, that word passion, why do we call this the passion of Jesus Christ? Why do we call it that? Well, 
you know, I think many of you know, I wrote this book this last year about Christ's passion narratives. And we did a, a video study that can be used for small groups where we filmed in Jerusalem, right at all the holy sites where it all unfolded. Uh, so it's called No Greater Love, A Biblical Walk Through Christ's Passion. But in the opening scene, that opening introductory session uh, when we filmed in Jerusalem, I talk about this, that the word passion is rooted in the Latin word passio, which means suffering. But it can take on another level of meaning, like Pope Benedict sees, that you can think of it as God's passionate love. Uh, That's what the cross is really about. It's his passionate love. God is a lover with all the passion of a true love, Pope Benedict says. And he goes on, and he says that, he says, God's passionate love for his people is so great that it turns God against himself, his love against his justice. You know, according to justice, yes, maybe we deserve to be punished. Maybe we deserve to be separated from God. Maybe we deserve to die. But justice isn't the entirety of God. God is also a God of love, and he's a a passionate lover, so madly in love with us. As Catherine of Siena once said, God, you are drunk with love. This just doesn't make any sense that we, the guilty ones, you would come down and seek us out and even die for our sins. This is incredible. It's just not, not what we would think. God's love turns against his own justice. Uh, I love that line here, but I want to I want to help you understand the cross. If you had to explain the cross to your children, you would explain the cross to your friend, or just you know in the chapel, and you want to contemplate it yourself. How would we understand this? I want to give I want to give you two analogies before I turn to the wonderful theological insights of Saint Anselm, a great medieval theologian, and uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas as well. But first, two basic analogies: when you do something wrong and you hurt someone in any basic human relationship of love, a close relationship of love, you may feel badly. You know, let's say you hurt your spouse. You say something or you do something and you really hurt him. You hurt her. You instinctively want to say, I'm sorry, but you, there's times where you realize that's not enough. I, I want to do something. I want to express my sorrow. I want to reaffirm my love. I think that's the key here. I want to reaffirm my love. I, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I, I feel badly about it. I want to reaffirm my love. And, and, and I, I can't just say I love you. I feel like I need to do something concrete. So maybe I put my arm around you. Maybe I hold your hand. Maybe, maybe I, I, I embrace you, right? This is what I would do with my wife, you know, if I, if I, when, I've, when I've hurt her. Um, or maybe, if, if, maybe that's not enough. I really need to do something more. Maybe I'll do an act of kindness, an act of service for her. Um, maybe I'll say, Hey, let's, let's, can we go for a walk? I, I just want to, I, I want this time with you. Or maybe I'll go buy her flowers or go buy her, her favorite chocolates, you know, do something. Like, I want to put my love into action. I want to give a concrete expression of my love. That's just a human instinct. And that's the same thing with God. We should want, when we, we sin, we just go, Oh, okay. Well, I sinned. Oh, well, sorry, God. Whoa. Do you realize what sin is? Do you realize what it means to sin against God? If you really understand what sin is, you, you would want to fall on your knees and say, God, I'm so sorry, and I want, I want to do something concretely to make it better. You know, I want you just to ponder this for a moment now. So think, think about what, what it would mean to sin against God. Like when you sin against another person, like, like it, it, what does it do? You know, let's say you, you send one of your little children to religious education at the local parish on Sunday, Sunday morning, you know, so they're going to catechism class and there's a volunteer woman teaching your child. And you just thought that she was disorganized and wasn't clear. And your, your child was really confused. And imagine if you did something like you just yelled at her and you, you took the catechism book and you threw it at the teacher's face. 
that would be dishonoring. <laughs> That'd be a very dishonoring thing to do to that kind woman volunteering for the class. But let's just say you're just really frustrated this day and uh, people at the parish hear about this and the, the deacon walks by and, and pulls you aside and says, are, are you okay? Is everything okay? And then you just, you're just so frustrated at the parish. And so you take that catechism book and now you throw it at the deacon. Wow, you get a sense that, that that's, you know, you shouldn't have thrown it at the first person, but wow, you just threw it at a, an ordained minister, the, the deacon who's completely uninvolved, completely innocent here. He's trying to help. And you get the sense that that sin is even worse. And then let's say you're just so mad, and then you you go into the pastor's office, you find him in his office there, and you just start yelling at him, you take that catechism book and you throw it at the pastor's face. That you get the sense that like that's worse even than the deacon or the volunteer because of who the pastor is and his role as the father, the shepherd for your parish. But let's say you're just really mad this day. You just have, you're having a really rough time controlling your anger. So you drive your car downtown to the chancery office and you find the bishop and you take that catechism book and you just throw it at the bishop. Don't you get the sense that that's even worse? Now, what would a, it's because of who he is, but what happens if you take that catechism book and you throw it at God? You see, because of who God is, God isn't just a deacon, a pastor, a bishop. He's the almighty, all-holy, infinite God, our creator, who brought us into existence totally out of love. He didn't have to. And when we sin, when we rebel against him, because of who he is, the sin is even greater than you know others that we do this with. But because God is infinite, when we sin against him, this is the point St. Anselm makes, it's as if we incur an infinite debt of love. To try to make up, you know, I could go back and try to make up with that volunteer teacher, the deacon, the pastor, and even the bishop. But with God, there's nothing I can do on my own to to offer a gift of love that's going to cover up all of my sins and the sins of all humanity. There's just nothing I can do because I'm a mere finite human being. And Anselm points out that I owe God everything already. I owe him my entire life, my attention, my love, my thanks, my praise. I owe him everything already. So what could I possibly give God on top of that? What could I possibly give God that I don't owe him already? So how can I make an act of love that would make up for my sin (laughs) against him? He's the infinite God and I'm finite. There's nothing I can do to offer an act of love on my own, to bridge this infinite gap between me and my God, this infinite debt of love. So St. Anselm says, this is the divine dilemma, that, that, that God is looking at this situation. He realizes, well, you know, out of justice, humanity needs to do something. Humanity needs to offer a gift of love that can reconcile, you know, us, but humanity can't. Why can't humanity offer a gift of love to bring reconciliation? Why? We said two things, and this is Anselm. It's because we, we are finite, and we can't offer an infinite gap, a gift of love. We've, we've incurred an infinite debt because of who we sinned against. We can sinned against the infinite, honorable God, and I've sinned against his honor. And so I have an infinite debt. There's nothing I can do. I'm a mere finite creature. And besides, secondly, there's nothing I could give God that I don't owe him already. I already owe him my entire life. So what could I possibly do? So this is the divine dilemma. Man should perform some act of love to reconcile, to be reconciled with God, but man can't. So what happens here? This is the solution. The divine solution is the God-man. God sends his son, Jesus, his son in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is fully human. 
so he can represent us. He can perform an act of love on our behalf. He, he is truly one of us. He's a member of the human family, so he can represent us in solidarity with us and offer an act of love on our behalf. But because of who he is, because he's God, he's fully divine, his act of love takes on infinite value. You see, if I said, I want to die for all the sins of humanity, put me on a cross and I get crucified, that's going to do nada, nothing (laughs) for the sins of humanity, right? Because I'm just a finite creature. But because of who Jesus is, he's fully human, so he can represent us, perform an act of love on our behalf. But because he's fully God, his act of love takes on infinite value. And that's why Anselm says just one drop of Christ's blood is enough to cover the sins of all humanity. You know, I, I think this is why St. John Paul the St. John Paul II gets this so well, so beautifully in something he wrote and in something he commissioned to, to have in the catechism of the Catholic Church. So he once explained that the popular notion of Jesus just taking on the wrath and the punishment doesn't make any sense. He once he once said that what gives the cross its redemptive value is, quote, not the fact that an innocent person has suffered the chastisement deserved by the guilty and that justice has been some way satisfied. Okay, I'm just an innocent person. I took on punishment and I, the, the, the guilty person should have. That doesn't do anything. But it's the fact that God, Jesus, enters into a, our solidarity with us and he offers this gift of love. And that's why the catechism goes on to say, it is love to the end that confers on Christ's sacrifice its value as redemption and reparation as atonement and satisfaction. It is love to the end. Love is what confers on Christ's sacrifice its redemptive value. It's love. It's that God is so madly in love with us, as Pope Benedict said, that he, he, he's, in, he's passionately in love for us, that he wants to go to the cross and offer his life as a gift to the Father. He's so passionately in love, he represents us as being fully human, but because he's also fully God, that act of love takes on infinite value and it's restoring, restoring us into our relationship with God. That's why St. Catherine of Siena, I often quote her, uh, she basically says this, that the nails on the cross could not have held Jesus there if love had not held him there first. Isn't that beautiful? It's not about the nails. It's not about the thorns. It's not about the cross and all the suffering. I mean, it, 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 his love is expressed profoundly through that. We should contemplate the nails and the thorns and the wood and all that he endured for us. But never forget, it's not all the blood. It's the love that Jesus put into that. The nails could not have held him there if he was not so passionately in love with us that he wants to stay there on the cross for our sins. That's what, the fa- that's what the Son is doing. That's what Jesus is doing. He's offering himself up as a perfect gift of love. That is so important, my friends, for, for our own lives. So the next time you have a chance to practice love, think of the cross. Think of the cross as love. Don't think of it, oh, i got to endure suffering. Think of it as, I want to love my children. I want to love my spouse. So, you know, the, the nails didn't keep Jesus there, but it was love. And maybe you just need to be there with your child when they're sick and they, they're inconsolable and you don't know how to deal with this. But I want to be like Jesus. It's not, I'm, oh, I have, to, I have to stay home and I have to sit here and hold this child today. No, it's like, I love this child. This is really hard. I've got a million other things I need to be doing. 
I don't know how I'm going to get dinner done. I got to take care of this child. That is love. That is Christ-like love. It's not just taking on suffering and pain. Uh, when, when my spouse really hurts me and we're going through a moment, a season maybe of, of tension and misunderstanding and hurt, it, it, you know, it's just like, oh, I just got to offer this up. No, no, that's out of love. But you know what? I love, I made a choice. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay with this. I'm going to try to fight for this. I'm going to pray for this. These are profound acts of carrying out the cross in our daily lives. And if we could see it as not just about taking on punishment, but we see it all about love, then the cross has value for every little thing. When there's inconveniences on my way to work, inconveniences with the teachers at my school, inconveniences with people I work with that I get frustrated with, do I see these as just inconveniences or do I see them as opportunities to express Christ-like love like he did on the cross? So... I want to encourage you if, um, I know it's, it's September here, but some of you may be thinking about, you know, many of you, I, I got to meet in Charlotte and I'd meet you all around the country and around the world. Uh, many of you who are in small groups. And if you're thinking about for your small group, uh, what, what study you want to do next, you know, going into 2020, maybe during Lent, uh, think about, uh, studying the passion of Christ. Think about going through the passion narratives. You don't need to use my study. You can use anything. But I think to enter and re- reflect on the passion of Jesus Christ is a wonderful thing to do. If you want to check out my study, you can go to my website, edwards3.com. It's called No Greater Love, A Biblical Walk Through Christ's Passion. So it's a book. It also comes with a video series. And so you could learn about that video program. I know so many parishes were using this. I met many of you this last week in Charlotte. Uh, but you could check that out. Uh, it's a five-week study. fits perfectly for the weeks of Lent. No Greater Love, A Biblical Biblical Walk Through Christ's Passion. Again, my website, edwards3.com. You can find me also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And stay tuned, my friends. Get ready for a couple new enhancements next week on the All Things Catholic Podcast. God bless.